Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes, the premier podcast on hand and upper extremity rehabilitation. As a worldwide educator and developer of best-in-class hand therapy content, Susan Weiss, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist, brings you an array of hand therapy specialists, hand care solutions, and more. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us at Hand Therapy Heroes. I have a wonderful guest today. This is Michelle Coyle. And Michelle has done a lot since she graduated with her master's in occupational therapy in 2004. She became a certified hand therapist in 2012. And she has been about 15 years in clinical practice in upper extremity orthopedic rehabilitation. So she's developed quite the expertise in our field of hand and upper extremity rehab. She's developed a special skill in functional cast fabrication and splinting and orthotics. In 2009 is when she made her first functional cast. And I am very much looking forward to the story about how that happened, which we'll find out about in just a minute. She's done books and authored different courses and is currently devoting her time as the founder of Virtual Hand Care LLC, which is a really awesome concept. And it is a telehealth platform for clients with upper extremity injuries. So this is a fascinating area as well, which we'll look forward to hearing a little bit about. And she has a really cool Facebook group too, which you need to check out if you haven't looked at that. It's called Hand Nerds. And it is designed to assist therapists just emerging in the field or long-term therapists as well have been involved. It's a fabulous group and I highly recommend you check out Hand Nerds. And she is also a certified ergonomic assessment specialist and a professional yoga therapist. So we have a wonderful opportunity here to learn a little bit more from our guest, Michelle. And first of all, I'd like to have Michelle tell us how she entered the field of occupational therapy and then specifically hand and upper extremity rehabilitation. Michelle, welcome. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful introduction. I, I appreciate you having me on here today. Um, I first became interested in high school, actually, in the field of occupational therapy. I, I shadowed a, an occupational therapist at a local hospital and was fascinated, fascinated by what they were doing. Um, but at the time, I, I really wasn't too enthused about the amount of schooling. So, you know, once he told me how long I'd have to go to school, I, I kind of uh, decided, well, maybe I don't want to do that. But but eventually I came around and knew I wanted to do something in healthcare. And I really liked OT because it, you know, it looks more at the whole person and not just the, you know, the physical condition or or just the physical injury. You know, I think when we when we look at the the physical injury, it makes the patient a little more hyper-focused on that too. And uh, I just, I felt like you could make a better connection with your patients in OT because you can talk more about their likes, their dislikes, you know, their goals, what it is they want to get back to doing, what their daily life is like. So I just felt like you had a, had a, a connection with that person. Okay. Um, but, but more specifically about hands, uh, I became interested in hands during my two fieldwork placements. So fortunately, I had 
my um, two longest clinical rotations. Uh, one was an inpatient, but I got to do hands in a, a burn burn unit, um, and I was kind of introduced to that uh, concept of of hand therapy, helping burn patients with uh, fabricating them splints and, you know, going through upper extremity range of motion exercises. And, you know, I I found that both just heart wrenching, but Mm. also, you know, fascinating at the same time. And uh, then my second placement was actually in an outpatient center. And I was able to work under a CHT who at the time made these awesome, awesome dynamic splints. <laughs> and I never thought I would ever be able to make them. And uh, so I just, I just love learning the, you know, the delicate nature of the hand and the, and the connection that you could make with the patient. Awesome. That's awesome. So that lit your fire on hand and upper extremity rehab. So you did you start right in hand and upper extremity and never look back? Or did you do some other areas of occupational therapy before entering into the field of hand and upper extremity? Well, I did a little bit of both. Um, I Because I shortly got married after I became an OT. And then within that year, I was pregnant with my first son. So I did, I had to do, I did a little bit of part-time. I tried a brief, a brief stint of pediatrics and I just, you know, that, that just, I I felt it just wasn't for me. My heart was not in that, that area. Um, And so then I did some part-time work in an outpatient clinic and I just, I just knew then that that's where Mm -hmm. I was meant to be. You know, I think most hand therapists just, you know, they, they kind of have that moment where they're like, yep, I'm comfortable here. This is what I want to do. And and I definitely had that moment. Mm, that, yeah, that's definitely a, a trend with the people we talk to about how they found their niche in hand and upper extremity rehab. So it's very interesting what you've got going now with your hand and upper extremity rehab online. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in that and a little bit more about your platform and how people might learn more about that if they want to refer people to you? Sure, sure. So it's it's so new. You know, it's still it's still a developing field, the whole field of telehealth and telemedicine and telerehabilitation. Um, so, you know, I I originally so I've always wanted to well, so over the years I've I've kind of had this calling kind of as I've been practicing that I've wanted to help reach more patients. And, you know, I think we've all had patients where they could not return for therapy or perhaps they just fell off the caseload. And you always wondered about that person or a patient couldn't afford to continue therapy or they lived far away. And, you know, I always just felt like I wanted to reach more people and, and help more people and just get our name out more as, as hand therapists. Mm-hmm. Cause we, you know, we all, we've all had that patient say, I don't, I didn't even know you're, you existed. I didn't even know that there was hand therapy. And, and so, you know, it's, it's really to help us as a, as a profession, but also to help reach more, more patients just so they know that there is help for them. And there's an expert that can help them and, and provide help for them regardless of where their location is or their resources. So, you know, that's kind of where that idea came from. And it's just, it is starting, you know, telehealth and, and technology is just becoming more mainstream. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's 
it's developing. It is still kind of in that development stage. So, so it's, it's, um, you know, still kind of learning the ropes and how things are working and still trying to get it out there. So that patients even know it's available to Mm -hmm. them. So it's, it's, yeah, just to, just to reach more patients. And if, you know, if, if there are therapists that are interested in, in learning more, they can go to virtualhandcare.com and that's my website. And that's Mm -hmm. where I actually can have clients sign up and I can do a one-on-one session with them. Um, now there are some laws and regulations that may be beyond this uh, podcast. You know, yeah. you, have to be, you have to be licensed in the state of that person. So, uh, but perhaps that's another podcast down the road, but definitely <laughs> it's, it's a fascinating and wonderful upcoming industry that will definitely allow patients to get services that they would never be able to get, especially when they're you know located out in the boondocks, which we see a lot. So it's, yeah. it's such a great service that you're providing people. Thank you. I, I am speaking at ASHT this year also in DC. So if anybody's going to that, they can come listen to my presentation on uh, that topic. I will definitely be there. Exciting. <laughs> glad, glad you're joining ASHT to, to get more people knowing about the, the availability of telehealth services. That's sure. great. Well, let's talk a little bit about functional casting for a bit. Since this is a term that isn't necessarily familiar to all therapists, so can you first just tell us a little bit about functional casting? Sure, sure. So, um, so functional. So, I first was introduced to fun- functional casting uh, in two thousand nine. Uh, so at the, at the time I worked at an outpatient clinic and one of my hand therapist coworkers had come across functional casting at like a course or a, or a conference. And she wanted to bring it to our clinic. This was in, uh, in a clinic in Indiana. Uh, so she brought, we brought somebody from the, from the company from, I believe they were from BSN medical. They, they came for a workshop and uh, spend a couple hours teaching us how to do it, and and I've been I've been making them ever since. Hmm. <laughs> um, so I really I really like functional casting. I'm kind of I may be a bit biased, you know, at this point because I have been doing it for a while, and I seem to go more to the functional casting than to the thermoplastic material when I'm fabricating something for for a, a patient, uh, but I, I really, really like, like the casting because it provides rigid, rigid support where the injury is, where the protection needs to be, but then allows more flexibility in, in areas that don't need to be quite protected or, or immobilized. And, uh, you know, I, I specifically like it in fracture management you know, conservative and post-operative management, you can really get a good circumferential support uh, for that injury. And uh, it just, I feel like it just provides a really good, lightweight, durable, you know, great alternative for, for the patient and as well as for the therapist to have, you know, another, another way to, to fabricate a splint for, for a patient. You know, it's, it's in their pocket. They've got another option. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. So if you got a referral for a circumferential wrist support, you would automatically, instead of using a thermoplastic, pick up the cast material as an alternative and you actually would tend to go to that first. Is that what you were saying? Did I understand yes. that correctly? Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's definitely my, my go-to. I think when I get a diagnosis, I go, okay, can I make them a functional cast? And that's kind of, you know, what, what I think of first, you know, where's their injury? Would they benefit from it? How, you know, how old are they? Um, you know, can they get in, you know, there's definitely some things you have to think about when you are making functional casting. Cause you, you want to make sure that the, the person uh, can get in the right position because one of the downfalls is that you can't, you can't, uh, once you've made the functional cast, there's minimal modifications that you Mm -hmm. can make, you know, so unlike thermoplastic where you can just throw it back in the splint pan and reform, you can't do that with the casting materials. So you you do want to make sure that the patient is appropriate for that. But I, I find that, you know, probably, 98% 98% of my patients I make functional casting for. I make them for fractures and for tendon repairs and for dupatrins and for, you know, strokes. And, um, you know, so there's definitely for contracture management, you know, there's definitely uh, a, 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 a benefit and a use for those in the patient population that we see. So even if you have the client that's going to have a significant reduction of edema over time, you would still use that as your preferred mode of treatment, knowing that the edema is going to change? Yes. Yeah. It does depend on the injury, of course. So say if somebody came and they had a a distal radius fracture and their their, uh, dorsal hand was, you know, very, very edematous, like we often will see. So how the, how the, the uh, functional cast is made, um, the opening for the patient to get in and out of is on the the dorsal side of the hand. So there's actually ways to just cut extra parts of the cast off and then you you can reline it and and then form it by your straps. You kind of cinch it just tighter that way. So there is some flexibility definitely. And, and as well as you can add padding to, you know, take up some of that space. So, there's definitely ways that you can modify if a patient is does have a lot of edema. But again, you know, you've got to use your professional judgment. If the person just has way too much, then it may not quite be the the best option for that patient. How do you feel the cost comparison is from thermoplastics to the cast tape? Uh, I think it's pretty comparable. Now, it, it is a little more expensive, you know, so I've, I've asked a BSN representative and they've said it's about eight to $12 per functional cast, per short arm functional okay. cast. And I've done a little digging to see comparatively to thermoplastic material. And, it, and you know, that can be anywhere between around five to $9 is what I've found. But that again, varies varies greatly because, you know, that's without stock a net, you know, that's without, you know, what kind of uh, splinting material are you using? That's without any foam that you may apply foam on the thermoplastic material. So, so with the, the eight to $12 of the functional cast, that's with everything that's, you know, that's the straps and the Velcro and the foam and the liner. And with the functional casting, you don't have to continuously, every time the patient comes in, give them a brand new stock a net. You know, so are you, you're adding 
you know, you kind of want to weigh those costs a little bit, you know, with the thermoplastic, you do you have to keep reapplying the foam because the foam doesn't maintain its bulk? And uh, does the stock, you know, do you have to keep giving stockinette to the patient? So there are some additional costs mm-hmm. in there that I feel like it's a pretty comparative, you know, it's a pretty good comparison. And so as far as billing, it would be billed the same way, no matter whether you use the cast material versus the thermoplastic, the billing would be quite similar. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's great to know. And what about then would comparative durability, would you say they're equal or I, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying, the cast might actually be a little bit more durable. So if you know someone's going to need something a little bit longer, you might have better results with the cast. Yeah, I feel, I feel that it is, it is a good option for somebody that does need something for a long length of time, because it is, you know, a, 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 it's a polyester synthetic tape that just, you know, once you, once you make it, it's a hard cast material that doesn't deform under heat either. So I feel like if you have, if you have a, a, you know, patient that um, needs something more long lasting that you're not going to worry about, is it going to kind of get weaker over time? Like the plastic, you know, will kind of get weaker over time, or if you constantly heat it, uh, with the thermoplastic, it does get weaker as you're, you know, right. heating it and cooling it. And, um, so I feel that it's, it's definitely is a good, a good option and a good alternative for more long-term use of, of course, you're going to need to reapply the liner and, um, you know, perhaps the stockinette might get a little gross, but it is machine washable. That's uh, oh. that is the benefit of it. So that's good. <laughs> that's a bonus for sure. Yes. <laughs> well, when you say when you mentioned about it getting hard, that just actually made me think about the fact of when you think about a cast, you think about a cast cutter. Now I know there's techniques to not have to use a cast cutter, but how would that be on your hands if you're using scissors? Or can you give us a little information on whether you have to have a cast cutter or not? So there's the idea of the functional casting is that you you make it thick only where it needs to be. And then you make it thin where it doesn't need to be. So where it doesn't need to be thin is where you would cut the cast off. So you technically should only have to, it should be very easy to remove because you're, you are not applying a thick layer. You're not cutting through a thick layer. So you should be able to just use regular. So you should, should be able to use scissors and they have some special scissors that they have some stainless steel scissors that, that, um, are very good for cutting the cast off. But, um, ideally you don't need any kind of a cast cutter or a saw. I do like to have a saw handy just in case, especially those that are just kind of starting out with the cast material and they're first trying to learn like, okay, how many layers did I put? Like, you know, it just is a good, good option to have handy if you do accidentally make the cast a little bit too thick when you're first learning. And, and actually there are some cases where I have made the cast extra thick because I wanted to for that particular patient, or perhaps they had a lot of spasticity that I wanted to make sure that it would help with, you know, their specific joint contracture or, you know, whatever the case is, I do like to have a cast saw just in case I need to make it thicker, but it's not ideal. Really, you only need scissors to cut it off. Oh, that's great. 
That's great. So, you know, recently we had a guest, Robin Midgley, and she was talking about casting motion to mobilize stiffness and the use of plaster materials, plaster of Paris. And I'm wondering if you could substitute the cast tape in instances where you're going to utilize that technique or what your thoughts are with regards to that. And have you used your clinical practice to try some of those techniques? I think I'm not I'm not proficient in the CMMS technique. So um, I do think though that functional casting would be a, a, definitely a good option. You know, it has its place in contracture management, definitely. Um, I think it's a good alternative for somebody if they have a, a wound perhaps and you uh, need to have access to that, you know, to that wound in, um, or, Perhaps somebody lives far away and you don't want them necessarily to have that, that um, cast on, that plaster cast on for, you know, a long length of time. Mm-hmm. There, so there's definitely some room and some options. You, I have made uh, more of like a, a P1 block for a patient with functional casting when I was trying to get them to get their long flexors, you know, okay. to work versus, you know, de- in decreasing um, the, the intrinsics. And so there's, there's definitely, there's definitely some play and room to be creative with the casting. I, I think the, the biggest reason for using the functional casting though is, is, is to increase your mobilization to begin with so that, you know, hopefully they don't have the stiffness in, in, in the first place. Right. To give them a better fit that you can create much better fit. Right, right. So the, that's a great advantage. What what would you say are some other advantages of using the cast tape? Not necessarily to compare it to thermoplastics, but just in general, what are your favorite things about using it? Why is it your go-to over thermoplastics typically? Um, I think it's fast. Okay. I think, you know, once you get more proficient, of course, you do have to practice with it. it. There's a learning curve, you know, there's definitely a learning curve, just like any kind of new material you're exposed to. But uh, I think once you're, you practice and you're proficient, you can, you can whip these out really quickly. All you need is a bucket of water. You know, you don't need to wait for your, your uh, splint. You don't need a splint pan. So you don't oh, need that. That's splint. a nice bonus. <laughs> yes. Yes. So you don't need to wait for your splint pan water to get to a certain temperature and then put the material in and then wait for the material, you know, to, to get ready. And, and then, um, and that's then, true. You know, you didn't think, I didn't think about that, but so with the traveling therapist, it would be quite simple to just have that handy versus, you know, having to deal with a splint pan and a, a fry pan basically. Right. Right. Yeah. All you need is a, is a cold water, a bucket yeah. of water. That's it. <laughs> And, and, you know, once you make, you know, once you make it on the patient and you cut it off, all you have to do is line it. You don't need to fuss with the edges. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like trying to smooth the edges and uh, no like fingernail marks and finger impressions and things like that. So what do you line the, the cast with? It's a, it's a fleece material, just a, okay. a very sticky fleece edging. So you, yeah, you just line it and uh, that, those corners are nice and soft. Those edges are soft for the patient and it it makes it comfortable for them. Awesome. That's awesome. So what would you say is the largest pitfall of using the casting tape? Uh, I think kind of goes back to making 
making it too thick. I think uh, patients or therapists want to roll when they're first learning, they want to, they want to roll around the extremity too many times and that can make it really thick and therefore it can make it really hard to cut. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I think kind of, again, that learning curve of making sure, you know, when you're in the process of making it, there's a lot you're thinking about. You're thinking about, is the patient maintaining their position? You know, am I, did I put my zip stick in? Um, that's, that's something too, is sometimes people forget their zip stick and, uh, the zip stick for those that aren't familiar with it is where you actually cut the cast off the patient. So you put a little piece of piece of plastic to, uh, kind of protect the patient's skin and the cast. So all you do is just run your scissors, you know, over that zip stick. And there are times I, I have, I, I, have forgotten the zip stick before and it only happened one time. And usually every therapist that's ever made these will probably say they've forgotten it at least one time. And, uh, so, but you know, there's ways to, to get around that. And usually the patients laugh and find some humor. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of roll with it, you know, and and not kind of have a freak out moment or that there, or the patient might be a little uh, concerned. (laughs) Yeah, well, I am super excited to let everyone know that's listening to this podcast that you have created a fantastic eight credit hour course on casting, functional casting, and you have now have it released on liveconferences.com. So we would love for you to email us at info at handtherapy.com. And we have a code for you to receive $80 off this wonderful course. And it is absolutely fabulous with details on how to create lots and lots of cool orthoses out of the functional cast tape. And thank you so much for creating that course and for joining us on this podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. We'll see you soon. Have a great day. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to Hand Therapy Heroes. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Visit handtherapy.com and register for our newsletter containing free content and courses about our fascinating hands. Hold hands today for a more functional tomorrow.